Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. Attention Talking Simpsons listeners, we have a special mini-series just for you. We're going through the entire first season of King of the Hill, and you can only hear it if you're a $5 and up patron at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. We're giving the Talking Simpsons treatment to all 13 episodes of King of the Hill's first season, and if you want a free sample, you'll find the first episode available for free in the Talking Simpsons feed. Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. It's the only place you'll find the first season of Talk King of the Hill. Made you go click, 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 click. It's real easy, man. Why, hello, everybody. It's Henry Gilbert in here at the start. I'm back from PAX, but Bob is still having some fun in Seattle. I'm here to let you know that uh, first off, our PAX panel went great. Thanks to everybody who came out to see it. You're going to get to hear it in just a second if you weren't there. But one quick thing to let you guys know, unfortunately, at the place, they had a little recording trouble with us, meaning that the folks who were working PAX, who were, you know, very nice and very helpful, we really appreciate them but they couldn't record the podcast for us through their sound system as we had hoped before we came there on the plus side though we ourselves were already recording in video form the same panel with our wonderful guest mike drucker all about the cromulent world of simpsons video games so we have this video that i think had pretty good audio on it all things considered we had been promising you guys a PAX podcast. Mike Drucker did a really great job as our guest, and we wanted to share all of that with you, even though we couldn't get the direct recording through the uh, venue. Fortunately, I think our recording worked pretty well, so that is what you're going to be hearing. If the audio is a little less good than what you heard in our previous live shows, that's why. But I still think you guys are really going to enjoy it and still get the gist of it. So please, enjoy our PAX 2019 panel about fictional video games in the world of the simpsons and next week look forward to our regularly scheduled episode where we're going to be talking about mayor to the mob so press seven eight seven to start this podcast now i heartily endorse this event or product Welcome to the Talking Simpsons Podcast panel, where condemned criminals dig each other with rusty books. I am one of your hosts, the disgraced Bonesmore champion Bob Mackey, who is here with me over here. Hi, I'm Mike Drucker, and I'm the guest tonight. <laughs> yes. And who else do we have? Uh, Larry the Looter speedrunner, Henry Gilbert. Hello! And this is our PAX West 2019 live show, everybody. Woo! And the topic for today is the cromulent world of fictional Simpsons games. You want excitement? Just your <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in case there's any confusion, we won't be talking about real Simpsons games, so if you're a Bart vs. the World super fan, you must leave now. <laughs> in fact, just leave now if you're here, because I hate that game so much. Yeah. It's terrible. We'll save you time talking about there are no good Simpsons games after the arcade games. Uh, yes. Done. It all ends in 1991. But yeah, because the Simpsons debuted in 1989, there was a new medium to make fun of, and that was video games. And they've done it so much over the past 30 years. We'll be going over the first 10 years of the show's video game parodies. But joining us is uh, Mike Drucker, and he writes for the TV. <laughs> and yeah! Yeah, clap for me! And also used to write for the video games. I used to write for, no, I was in the localization department. I worked on Kid for a Yeah, that was pretty yeah, funny. Yeah, that was awesome. 
Uh, well, my behind the scenes as a comedy writer, have you ever written a fictional video game into something? I haven't. I wish I had that ability to. <laughs> I've pitched video games. For, I've worked on more than one show where I was like, we should do a VR experience. And everyone's like, no. So <laughs> that's about as far as I've had with writing a fake video game. What's well, like the gamer literacy in most writers for movies like, uh, these days? Pretty good? Um, I think a, a lot of TV writers, I mean, especially with our generation, like a lot of them play games, but they're not necessarily in-depth fans of games. So they'll be like, yeah, I have an Xbox, and I'll play FIFA, but they're not like huge, huge, huge deep fans, or their knowledge ends at like 1997, where it's like, they're like, my favorite game is Final Fantasy VII. And you're like, have you played any since then? No, I became an adult. So it's like, you don't get as many people, but I love the games. People become adults. <laughs> no one in this room, right? Uh, Yes, I mean, we're going to see that in our clips where in the very beginning of these clips, it's a very, it's a very boomery take on video games from the boomer writers. It is very much a those damn video games kind of take. But as we get into the Bonestorm era, it is the, uh, the Gen Xers, the cool Gen Xers who are actually playing the damn video games. Mm -hmm. We're just going to be going through the first 10 seasons of Simpsons to see how much it grew from jokes written in 1989 to all the way to 1998. And it's... The systems kind of grow with them, and you can see their literacy grow with time. The, the, the first one they did, uh, they didn't do any in the shorts, so, because I think that was just all Mac Randy's childhood. Yes. He didn't play video games, so. Uh, but then, the, the very first fake video game in The Simpsons was in the sixth episode of Moaning Lisa, which uh, is mainly about depression. But there's yeah. about four minutes of video games. In there. We used to have all of the clips from this Slugfest game in this package, and I think it's about half the episode. Yes, yeah. So we'd be here all day watching those clips, which would be fun, but we unfortunately had Simon in it, so. Uh, but yeah, so Slugfest, uh, it was the first clip for Bobby Lee, so let's give that a watch. So this game, this episode invented fatalities three years before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, this, it envisions a punch-out that's not, that, that's two-player, which didn't exist until the 2009 Wii punch-out game. Uh, yeah, Slugfest, they, you can tell that they started with the idea of, like, Bart's better at Homer at some game, and they just worked backwards from there. Right. Also very of that time, very boomer idea that you still use the joystick and button. Yeah. Just <laughs> one button does it all, folks. Yeah. It's a, the, you can see the set-top box in the other shots, too, and it's totally an Atari. Like, they, they didn't learn a game system after Atari. Though clearly some, like, the artists played Punch-Out. Like, that background there, that is the audience in Punch-Out. Yeah. And uh, also, similar to Punch-Out, they have, in that it's Mario who's the referee, they have a similar guest Akbar. character cameo, yeah, it's yeah. Akbar and Akbar and Jeff, or Jeff, it's, it could be Akbar or Jeff. And they, uh, they figured out how to do player characters years before they were yes. ever in a big game. <laughs> That's why it's lacking the casual racism that they just love Punch-Out. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and yeah, the, the joke is like, what if a video game was this fire? <laughs> I think most of, the, most of the early parodies are, the joke is, what if someone actually made this game? And now we have advanced far beyond the parody. Right. I do remember, I, this came out when I was, I think, four. And I distinctly remember saying this, because I love, I already love video games, but I remember being so scared by this. <laughs> but just the idea of, like, in a video game, being like, like as a player, being like, he killed him and he danced on his grave. Like, <laughs> totally missed the joke entirely, like I did for the first three years of The Simpsons as a child. It was just horrible. Like, I was scared. I think a common theme in these early clips is going to be decapitations, too. Is yeah. that right, Henry? There's like yeah, there's a number of decapitations in it. It's, uh, I think, too, you'll see in a lot of the early ones, their favorite joke was the game over screen. Yeah. Like, that was their favorite thing. I think they, in most cases, thought of the game over screen first and then worked backwards from it. Uh, and this was also the episode where they first went to Noiseland Arcade, which I did like that they made sure to show that there was an arcade version of Slugfest and a home version. That, that felt very informed to me. 
Yeah, that's also when they go to Noise Later Arcade, you get to see in the background again. The they never play, but Robert Goulet Destroyer. Yes. And it used to not be tasteless before he was destroyed. <laughs> yeah, it's not like this. Uh, it's sad. At least he got to be on The Simpsons before they destroyed him. Uh, the next one they did right after that was uh, in season two, first episode of season two, Bart Gets an F, where they also used one of the background gags from Noiseland Arcade in the first season to uh, joke about escape from Grandma's house. Bart put in a $500 bill. Yeah. <laughs> I never got that many tokens at Aladdin's Castle for, uh, for a five. Yeah, the Escape from Grandma's house again, the shotgunning grandma, that just is uh, normal now. You wouldn't let that an eye on it. Uh, I don't get the point of that game, though. Yeah, like, I feel like every one of these games will be saying is at the indie showcase booth. Yeah. <laughs> I'm surprised there has not been a, a, like a Simpsons game jam for things like this on Yoshio somewhere. There's yeah. a version, like 10 versions of this in a message board thread somewhere. But there, uh, this is a weird, also, uh, Mr. Burns gender swap character. Or something. Oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> it's his Mater Burns. It's yeah. his 140 year old mother. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think uh, it seems like a single-screen game, too, of just, uh, or also it reminds me of like a LucasArts adventure game or Sierra adventure game of just trying different things, but uh, the difficulty level of most of these ones seems a little unfair to Bart, though I think it's, that's just coin munchers, that's how they were then. It's, it's also so weird to see high scores on these things, like that again yeah. really dates it. Uh, but I think the artists really do such a great job of like um, making up uh, arcade cabinet arts, like yeah. perfect arcade. That's a good Atari style. <laughs> uh, and the really great, like Bart's, like slap of the joystick when he walks away. They got, there's some really creative gameplay animation there. Uh, okay, so the next one after that is Touch of Death, which uh, that comes from season two production, but uh, season three, and this one. I had to check the dates because I always remembered it as a Mortal Kombat parody, but it is not. Uh, you can spot Robert Goulet's story in there. This is one of the rare ones where Bart wins in the video. He pretty much always loses at arcade games. But, uh, yeah, Touch of Death, that gag came out, like, that was in 1991, probably written in, like, late 90, I bet, or early 91. So it's, like, a year or two before Mortal Kombat comes out. But they, Mortal Kombat was hardly the first game to have, like, a uh, Bruce Lee clone. Yeah, so it's sort of like a Double Dragon-y, Kung Fu-y kind of game. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, the Touch of Death seems really OP. I feel like, is that like a specialty thing that you charge up? Yeah, this is, uh, a lot of these games are missing a UI, too. <laughs> uh, that seems a lot harder to animate all those buttons. But yeah, Touch of Death has its own button. It's like the uppercut button in uh, classic Punch-Out mm -hmm. of the arcades. Uh, so the next one after that was in season three. Now that one uh, does not have a name. We're just going to call it Hyperspace. What do I do? What do I do? <laughs> uh, I, like, I like that every game we're saying you can tell when the writers stop playing games. <laughs> About 10 seconds in. Right. Uh, but this this is a weird mix of a game, because that's like, that's really Missile Command at the bottom, yeah. but then above it's Asteroids, so I, I'm confused by the UI as well in this. <laughs> Five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, though they're back to Atari as well. They still nobody has an NES in there. I think it's all these childless, childless writers 
who don't have an NES system. But they played in their Harvard dorms in 1978. <laughs> uh, yeah, the, uh, the sentiment of I got down on the floor for this, that's, that's, a, that's a pre-wireless gaming thought there. Uh, and the, that's, that comes from season three in Lisa's Pony. The, and that was very much when the writers, LG and Mike Reese, they, they really were about like filling out space with people watch something on TV. Though This was like a rare time of people play something on TV. I don't know where that hyperspace button is. There's one button on the controller. It's like the Vita. It's under the controller. <laughs> I just hope somebody got fired for that plug. Uh, so, the net, uh, also it's on the same console as Slugfest, which, like, it must be a way earlier game than Slugfest had the graphics of that box. It's a first game. <laughs> Uh, so the next one is from another Season 3 one. They were doing a lot in Season 3 video games. This is from Radio Bart's Larry the Looter. And we also can see the Simpsons versions of Chuck E. Cheese. I mean, that's Mario, too, that they just drew in there. <laughs> Another Mario cameo. That, I mean, Larry the Looter, it presupposes, like, Grand Theft Auto way before. Like, this was 90, early 92 in this era. This, I guess, it predicts uh, crime video games and Italian stereotypes. Violent <laughs> Italian stereotypes. Uh, well, Watch out, Larry, he's Italian. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, though the sound effects of stealing the stereo and stuff, that's totally on Pac-Man. Like, that's like the sound of eating a pretzel or whatever in Pac-Man. Uh, though I don't see the point of that game. Are you supposed to jump over that guy, or is it, are you just supposed to put in another quarter after that? I think you, like, tell him you have a wife and kids so he doesn't shoot you. <laughs> <laughs> and just run the other way. Uh, though at least it does, like, count how many points you got over time and that it cracks it up. I, I also thought this was like a reference to the LA riots, but those came like months after this right. era, so. I also like the concept of Mario defending a fruit sandwich with a shotgun. He doesn't know you shoot people when they're running away from you. That's <laughs> evil. <laughs> uh, also, the Chuck E. Cheese have a game that violent? I think that's also part of the gem. I, well, it's well, like in simpler times, this is what, 28 year old parody or 27 year old parody? Yeah, yeah. The joke is, what if a video game was violence? Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, I think, and also, like, the Skulls have been saying, like, oh, video games inspire all this violence and crime, so here's one that is directly telling Bart to commit crimes, and Bart's reaction to sticking to the man is the, like, Joe Lieberman's greatest fear. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but I guess gameplay-wise, this is more like a Double Dragon type game, I guess, or yeah. like a beat-em-up. I think, uh, at least with the point-grabbing stuff. He doesn't grab any chicken, but again, like, why? they wouldn't know that. Gross chicken game. Uh, this also just feels like totally arcade-stealing, like, uh, difficulty spike of, like, how do you even get past this guy? It's All a right. like Wreck-It Ralph, too. Yeah, there's a lot of Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, uh, if I'm not mistaken, this might be directed by the director of Rapid Ralph, actually, oh, the uh, Rich Horn. He was definitely there at the time working on the show. Uh, but all right, so the next one comes in broadcast season three, uh, season four, but still left over from season three, early 1992. And this one is a very specific parody. I think it's the first one that actually feels like somebody is basing this on a video game they played. Yes, 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 yes. So that's his proprietary bowling handheld game. Yeah. Sort of like the Virtual Boy, because 20% of that library was bowling games, right? <laughs> uh, at least 20%. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, they just drew a Game Boy. I mean, that's just the Game Boy. 
I'm surprised they got away with that. Normally they would have to change a certain amount of that to make it work. But the like, Game Boy game with voice clips, that's... not be impossible. You couldn't fit one voice... If the game was just voice clip the game, you still couldn't fit one thing saying Gutterball. Uh, but you can see the back of it. It has like a switching... It, it is a uh, cartridge switching out thing, so... It's not even a dedicated machine. They, again, fired for that plug where they should be. But this feels like a joke written by a guy who yelled at his wife while playing Tetris in bed. That's, that's what it, uh, it uh, I mean, my parents were playing the Game Boy quite a lot uh, at the time. And I'm sorry to get the Tetris away from them. I think what I'm most impressed by is the fact that it has that green monochrome screen. Like, that feels yeah. like something that you would miss if you didn't play a Game Boy. It also yeah. has a dot matrix display right above the screen in tiny, tiny letters. That's right. Yeah. That's, uh, and yeah, AMP, select, start, it's all the right buttons. I, the the prop designer had an early launch that day. <laughs> I mean, I, I appreciate the, uh, the accuracy there. Uh, and yeah, just seeing this clip, it makes you feel pretty awful for Marge. But that's how you're supposed to feel that whole episode. It's Blanche uh, Dubois. The Simpsons will be right back. Thanks very much for listening to our podcast live from PAX West in Seattle, recorded last weekend. And again, if you came out, thanks very much for your support. And you know, we're able to make trips like this and do these live show appearances thanks to the support of the folks at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. The Talking Simpsons Network is supported by tons of great patrons who, for $5 a month, help me and Bob keep this going. And they get tons of extras, like Patreon-exclusive podcasts for miniseries about the show's The Crit. Futurama and King of the Hill plus two dozen exclusive interviews with folks who have been working on The Simpsons as early as the very first shorts not to mention it's supported by the $10 and up folks who get to hear our premium podcast once a month what a cartoon movie where me and Bob talk about a different animated feature film once a month including Rocco's Modern Life Static Cling Batman Mask of the Phantasm Akira and many more please check out all that stuff at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons. Uh, but yes, the next one is also from season four from an episode written by Conan O'Brien, New Kid on the Block, and we're back to the arcade parody. It's a very political game. I like, uh, no, I think, uh, I feel like they wrote the joke originally in just a platformer about escaping from uh, death row, but then they rewrote the dialogue to be all about remorse, pleading insanity, all the way uh, through the legal system trying to get out of death row, not plat jump over guards. Uh, and that's like an early version of the uh, rich Texan there. It's like, maybe he made the game and put himself in it. <laughs> but it has the big uh, sort of punch-out arcade uppercut button as change of venue. That yeah. you slap it <laughs> that's the big button. And that, I mean, the game, that's another one where it feels like they wrote the game over screen first and went back where it's like, the, they reused the Larry the Lunar music, but they did write like 8-bit chiptune of Yellow Rose of Texas. <laughs> I'm curious how they wrote the, um, or how they made chiptune music back then for, uh, for this stuff. Do you think they just went to a dead in town? Or? I think it was next to the, bo- uh, the dog barking button on the Casio. Like, that sound <laughs> uh, And also interesting about the placement of this, this is at the, uh, instead of in Noiseland, they are at the Quickie Mart, 
Where they're playing it is usually where the nuke game machine is, which is one of the most distracting props in the whole show. Like, if you ever see in the Quickie Mart, next to the cash register, there's a sniper game and nuke, just a big thing, with, a orange thing that says nuke. It really, like, draws the eye. So it's, uh, but for this one moment, it replaces uh, the nuke machine. So my guy's a comedy writer for television. Does the nuke arcade game feel like a placeholder joke? Like, we'll come back to nuke. <laughs> it does feel like a placeholder joke, but now I like to headcanon it that it's one of those Soviet Russia arcade games that you're about. We just imported it. Oh, boy. <laughs> Uh, the, the Quickie Mart Foundation wouldn't pay, wouldn't spend that much money. <laughs> I also like to imagine that the judge is using the hammer from Smash. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, uh, there's not great hit detection there. Like, <laughs> or is he just standing back from the hammer? Like, you should uh, have edited in that music, actually. <laughs> the, uh, the judge, I mean, the, yeah, the, it seems like a, he's doing like Donkey Kong jumps over people, so it seems kind of like DK. Uh, but the next one, so that's the last one of the Algina Mike Reese years. They were very much about arcades. Uh, I think Merkin, if you'll see in his two ones, he was much more interested in the violence than just the arcade uh, scenario of it. Uh, though the, the first one is actually a very non-violent game. I mean, is, so Mike, is, what is, is Dinner with Andre still the go-to joke of boring movie? No, <laughs> I don't think people, show of hands, how many of you have remembered Dinner with Andre? Yeah, that's not most. Um, <laughs> uh, no, it's definitely not, not boring movie. I don't know if there's like a boring movie thing right now. Well, I guess maybe English Patient was the 90s. Like, yeah. 80s was Andre, English Patient 90s. I don't know what anything was after that. <laughs> I stopped going to movies. People just stopped watching movies. I, I think so. <laughs> uh, the Dinner with Andre gag, I mean, it's a great gag on Martin, too. The Martin is the one yeah. child who would want to play it. Like, no line for his name either. But... I wonder what the fail state is in that. I would have liked to have seen the game over screen from there. If, he just, if Andre just storms out of dinner. <laughs> well, Tell Me More is the only quote on it. The rest are like Witty Von Moe. So I wonder if that's randomly generated. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yes, while Martin is enjoying that, Bart is playing Panamanian Strongman. <laughs> It's hard to tell if Panamanian Strongman is supposed to be. Like, is it a Donkey Kong game where you play as Donkey Kong? I have no or, idea. I don't even see how you could win at that. Like, unless Bart, Bart really wasn't doing anything in there. For as focused as he was in front of his joysticks, he didn't uh, make a move. Did you notice that in the shot, he's not holding anything in his oh, hands? Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a magic joystick game with uh, you just hold your hands over it. Uh, Though it also, I mean, the way he's holding it, it looks like it's a twin joystick game, but then later you see it, it's just one joystick. So maybe he's gonna like jam his hand on the other one. I'm gonna be honest, my dinner with Andre seems more fun of the two. Yeah. <laughs> it's less more on drugs propaganda either. <laughs> Trenchant insight. That doesn't work on Panamanian Strongman. I mean, 
That gag, uh, there is also, I mean, it's about Manuel Noriega. That's, that's yeah. the gag. It's, uh, I mean, it's extra funny that H.W., I feel like that's an extra gag there, too, that H.W. Bush is kicking him when they were pals until they were not pals. So. Yeah, and somebody had to, some writer had to be in an arcade because that was the area in which every game would have the blue splash screen winners don't use drugs yeah. signed by the department of the FBI's uh, head or whatever. Their lead guy, their lead jerk. Yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> You'll save us. No, it's even better to have H.W. Bush like kick a corpse on screen. I really like that. Uh, Give me little grunts. <laughs> I, uh, though that, by the time this episode aired, like he was out of uh, office too. So I think that shows the game was made a few years earlier. So Bart's, Bart's going retro at this, uh, <laughs> this Northland arcade. Uh, and uh, also, they don't realize the, yeah, you just, if you run out of money at the arcade, you walk around and then feel in the coin slot things to see if anybody left one. I think that maybe happened once for me. With the UK Oh, they, you never, well, I never, this warned me to not say out loud I was out of money. But, uh, though also, I never went there unattended. My mom would have uh, just said, okay, we're out of money, you're going to go. She would, she would be the uh, squeaky voice team. <laughs> One more thought I had about the Panamanian Strongman is that the uh, the art on the cabinet has Uncle Sam there too. I wish we had seen the stage where you fight Uncle Sam, like a, a fist fight between Panamanian Strongman and Uncle Sam. That's in the pine, I think, the whole <laughs> <laughs> That couldn't make it onto the NES, the, that one. So the next one, uh, we just know it by name, but it definitely comes from the Mortal Kombat Panic era in season six. You're one of those, they'll call me a chick chicks, huh? Uh, sorry about my unenlightened brother. He will make the next few hours live in hell. Oh, I See this fun? This is four. The game where condemned criminals dig at each other with rusty hooks. Do a little housework and you can play for five minutes. No way. Yes. See, there's nothing males are entertaining. They all follow their video cartridges. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a Neo Geo cartridge? <laughs> it's an extra long cartridge. Yeah. For extra violence. You can see the concave thing at the top for uh, an NES thing. Though on NES, I don't think you could even portray uh, disemboweling if you tried. Like, it just doesn't have the color palette for it. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, that's definitely from the, they're making a joke about Mortal Kombat now, but through, through Disemboweler 4, which, uh, it also sounds a lot like Escape from Death Row, honestly. Yeah, and I guess the, the joke is they're heightening Mortal Kombat, but then, in, uh, I don't know, maybe six or seven years later, there was Manhunt, which oh, yeah. was in that criminals digging each other with rusty hooks, so. <laughs> uh, that hook doesn't look too rusty on the box art there, I gotta no. thumbs down on the box art, but. <laughs> Uh, also, you know, Bart playing the typical gamer of uh, hating women. He's pretty good. Oh, yeah. I'm kidding. That's None of those people are known to be true. But I think by the time I saw this gag, I was being a little, as a, as a 13-year-old, I at least was thinking, like, they don't play NES games anymore. Boo. Like, I, I noticed that they got it wrong. That, that should have been a Genesis card, but... I guess they wouldn't even know what Genesis card looked like, the, the, the writers, I suppose. Uh, and yeah, the, I love Bart breaking as he looks at the uh, game. Like, that's such good animation. Like, just his, his uh, just so quickly shattered. But I, I, like him, I like him presenting the tagline because he's not actually reading any text on the screen. He's having an out-of-body experience. <laughs> oh, yeah. so he's remembering the, the tagline for the game. Yeah, well, as we, we'll see in a later clip, he is very programmed by commercials. So he remembers all of that as for yeah it should obviously that should just be the game box but i so do you think that uh the babysitter that she owns the game and brings it to everything she babysits at or did she rent it just for this mm. i mean thinking she's babysitting a lot it's a useful tool to have to to break rowdy boys i i just want her to be a fan of the disemboweler series <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think maybe the trick is she's better at it than him i, I would have liked that scene but she's a jeffrey Dahmer man <laughs> oh, don't owe that. <laughs> uh, so those are the only two from the Dave Merkin seasons of five and six. He didn't do a ton of game stuff, I think. Uh, but the next season was the 
ultimate Simpsons game episode, I dare say. Uh, and I think it is because, like, Bill Oakley, uh, we talked to him, if I may name him. No. Uh, but we, he, <laughs> We've but, had a meal with him. Yeah. He wasn't afraid. I watched him eat a burger just like he does on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, but he talked about how he didn't grow up playing games, but when he became an adult with comedy writer money, that's when he splurged on video games and was playing a ton of them. So, I, I mean, is that, is it, is comedy writer money buying a lot of video games, Mike? Simpsons residual money buys a lot of games. <laughs> no, comedy yeah. Uh, yeah, yes it does. <laughs> There's nothing funny about that, but I... <laughs> I don't have children. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna fucking say it for that. <laughs> uh, but yes, the uh, the first one for Bill O'Clean, Josh Weinstein season. Uh, this is a dual commercial here um, for an unnamed game in a game we all remember. <laughs> Not just with the extreme catchphrases, though. Uh, Santa Claus is more like a Slim Jim commercial than a Play commercial. Maybe that is supposed to be Randy Savage guessing that. But, um, but also, the, like, it's, uh, it takes the Nintendo style, too, of it is an ad talking shit about another video game and saying, look at how shitty this game is, our game is way better. And I've watched this episode a thousand times, and only in doing research for this panel did I notice the Goros have six arms instead of four, so they're better Goros. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that protects them on a copyright thing. No, then again, they just drew Liu Kang here. Like, that just was Well, yeah. technically they just traced over Bruce Lee when they drew Liu Kang. So. <laughs> yeah, I suppose so. They, they've got cover there. So in that game, do you think the first game, the unnamed game, do you play as a tank? Like, can you choose that? <laughs> it looks like it's a sequel to that arcade game. Was it Death Touch? Or oh yeah, Touch of Death. Yeah, yeah. Touch of Death, yeah. And this is before Fighting Vipers, where you unlock the Daytona car to fight heads, so... <laughs> Just a year, yeah, they, they predicted that too. I think even, I gotta get to them on that unnamed game, like, they really captured the finishing animation as well, which... Seems to show like somebody must be playing as that tank if it's doing the finishing animation, I think. Uh, and the, the controllers too, finally somebody learned what a Genesis was as well. Like those are straight up Genesis controllers. So the, it's a cartridge-based system, which in 95, I guess, you know, most, they, you maybe have a PlayStation, but most kids are still playing on that. Do we want to talk about how nice those kid, that kid's house was? <laughs> That was like the McAllister Mansion. Yes, yeah. Uh, that, those Home Alone kids, they deserve to be robbed. I agree. Too much Watch money. the movie again, the criminals are right. Like, their house is like a hotel. Yeah. They're like, well, you're going to have to stay in the 17th bedroom, Kevin. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, the, yeah the, I mean, that's commercial houses. You want the, it's, it's an attainable dream of kids, I think, to get to see, like, oh, they, they have a fancy place, too. Though, that, you know, one thing they didn't get right about that Play Loud commercial, a girl was playing a video game of that. They, that would not be seen on television. Yeah, no way. They, they uh, on your Retronauts podcast about the, the evolution of video game ads, you really noted that in about, like, 84, 85, they stopped having moms and sisters play games in those commercials. Well, I mean, occasionally there'd be a mom, but she would, like, look in from the kitchen and say, oh, you men, and walk back to her cookies or whatever. I don't know. Or, like, an old grandma who's, like, pointing, like, like the mom and the fresh prince. <laughs> and then I, I love, like, snapping to the excitement and just, bam, shoots a bone star right to the other game, destroying the game. It, like, it's, it's so very similar. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, well, this has blood dropping everywhere. And I mean, the, the background, like, that's the pit of death stage for Mortal Kombat as well. Like, they really captured that. The, though, again, another thing they got wrong, you can't play as Goro at all in those games. He's, uh, he's unplayable mid-boss. Hmm. I think, uh, I mean, if you had a game you could play as him, sure. Yeah, sure. Uh, but the uh, Bart's reaction, like, they knew exactly how well to advertise it to 10-year-old boys there, as you can see. The, uh, they even captured a real game with, like, 10 uh, two-player stuff in it. Though, later we'll see, like, as, for as advanced as this game is, you, can't, you can only enter up to eight letters on your name, up to Thrillho, not full Thrill House. Uh, but Bart, Bart is bedeviled at all turns trying to get this game. He tries to steal it even in one of the classic scenes we've been talked to by all of his video game pals. Uh, but that leads to a very heartfelt story. It's one of me and Bob's favorites as, a, uh, as two Bob and bullies. We really love that one. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, once uh, Bart goes through a whole journey, he thinks he's getting the game he asked for. turned it down. He didn't get the joke. <laughs> Can we use your name for a video game nobody would want? <laughs> it's, so weird. it's a weird reference to this old NES uh, game, uh, Lee, Lee Trevino's Fighting Golf, and that's, he, that's why he's one of the three golfers I know about. Ah, I did. I, fortunately, I was never gifted a golf game, so. Well, I had Nintendo Power to tell me all oh, about it. Tell me it was good. <laughs> it got their highest, uh, their second highest score, nine out of ten. The yeah, the, okay, so the command, let's really deconstruct the commands of Lee Carvalho's putting challenge. Yeah. One, are they playing this on a PC or is it one of those like a television dial pads? Because you have to press 787 to make the command. Uh, and like that, I mean, that's a great joke in and of itself because the main thing you do in a putting game is swing the club, but you have to press three buttons to swing that club. Uh, and then also, uh, you, you mentioned to me before, Bob, like, this is a game called Putting Challenge. You shouldn't be able to pick other clubs. <laughs> you should not be off the green. 
Uh, and this also seems to be the tutorial too. Like in most tutorials, they would force you to be like, no, you can't pick the three wood. Like uh, they, it's a, it's a broken tutorial in that way. But I also like they. I think they really captured a real gamer thing too. Like you have this crappy game. It's your only game for Christmas. The most fun you can have is trying to break it, and that's what Bart is doing. <laughs> like do, going to the full, using the full power drive, like. I gotta hand it to them, they actually animated, like, uh, like in Mario Golf 64, they would not have animated such an uh, extreme thing of landing in the bunker or going off the stage. Although I would love to see in Mario Golf singing the ball go to a Mario parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> what all those cards look like? Shattered to the window. <laughs> okay, thanks, Mario. Alright, <laughs> uh, the, God, you have selected no is another of my just all-time favorites. I, the really a power drive. Okay, yeah. I feel like he's doing a, an imitation of Tom Kite who was on the show around this time. Yeah, yeah. It feels more like that, actually, than Tom Kite. Though I guess, I don't know what Lee Trevino sounds like, so I can't... He's an Italian. <laughs> yeah, the, the power drive... Okay, last thought, too, is that it's... And, like, he's talking during it, so that makes me feel like it's a CD-ROM game, almost. Like, the amount of conversation you get in it is pretty impressive, too. Which, uh, my, uh, but yeah, I, also, uh, earlier in the episode, they could read from their comic book store, which, like, I don't know, the overhead on that just seems too much for a comic book store to rent video games. I think a bunch of those just fell off a truck, and he was there. <laughs> <laughs> he saw an opportunity. Uh, uh, so that was the ultimate video game episode, but they still did a few more after that. This next one is from the Springfield Files, which is from the next season. It aired in early 97, but uh, this episode uh, is by Satellite Office. They pretty much just wrote them all in 1995. So in a very 1995 episode, the Springfield Files, which is the X-Files crossover, that you will not see any X-Files characters in this next one. But uh, this, uh, this was a cute little gag. Far beyond what an expensive movie is now. I own Waterworld for the Virtual Boy. And oh, okay. I'm not doing a bit, real game for the Virtual Boy, and it is worse than what you saw. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, probably the game itself costs more than forty dollars. So I think for forty quarters. I <laughs> the Virtual Boy came out. I was like eleven, and I convinced my parents to let me use all of my childhood savings to buy it. And it wasn't the best idea, but I really committed to it for at least a month, thing, like pretending it was. You have to believe that. Like, I mean, that's how console wars start. You can only have one system, so you have to boost for it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the Waterworld arcade game, like the that's a ten dollar game, which uh, that's pretty, that's a lot. That's a lot of money. The uh, I I like the uh, the imitation of Kevin Costner there. It's pretty good. Yeah, he's a hard impression, but it has something. What is it supposed to be a parody of as a game? Like, is it like a Dragon Slayer parody where like you take one step and you die, or is it just a bad game? That's a huge character for a video game too. Yeah, yeah. It reminds me of Kung Fu or like a Neo Geo giant sprite game. I think yeah. The point maybe he uses up all his energy energy with one step, and so you have to re-energize him with another 40 quarters. Uh, this, this gag, though, is so, like, um, this was written by the folks who were writing the critic at the same time, and this is 100% an unused critic joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in, the, uh, in the arcade, too, you can see the Panamanian Strong Man game in the background, too, at, at Old Noiseland. Uh, and I gotta, you know, I also have to say, Milhouse's pants can hold a lot of quarters. I'm impressed. <laughs> Uh, so the next one is just one screen from uh, Homer's Phobia, which uh, they, it's the only gameplay of it, so I'm just going to show the screen here real quick. 
So that is uh, Astro Blaster that Bart is playing there. It's, uh, it's a sit-down arcade machine that um, John Waters' character owns, and uh, right off screen you're hearing Homer grumble that Bart is so near a game ad. But, uh, uh, but the Astro Blaster game, it, uh, I don't know, it kind of reminds me of the Star Wars sit-down vector graphics thing. So I think, I think that's what they're calling it from. It's one of the, one of the bench face video games. <laughs> Though I hope, you think John Waters' character is nice enough to set it to free play? I, I hope yeah. so. Yeah, he seems like a giving guy. Uh, that, uh, and yes, we got, uh, but that's all we got at Astro Blaster. The next one, though, uh, that's the last fake game of the Oakley and Weinstein era. Now we come to season nine and the start of the Mike Scully era, and uh, we are back to an arcade fighting game. There is, I didn't, there's an actual PC fighting game called Catfight. I'm just looking that up. <laughs> do you know who published it? I do not. Okay, it was published by the software branch of Vivid Entertainment. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. A lot of knowing looks in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just got out of my through this webpage. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Uh, but yeah, the, I guess there was one in 1996. Yep. Oh, okay. Maybe it really, this is a late 97 episode. I mean, I'm sure yeah. they didn't know. No. I do, I do like the, the sexism of shoes. Yes, yeah. <laughs> they, they pick shoes as their stage for their fighting match. Uh, yeah, I mean, this, uh, this is a very uh, sexist stereotype game, but, you know, let's look at the bright side. Bart is playing a game with female protagonists. Like, he's being very open-minded. All representation counts. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but this feels very like it's taken from Melrose Place at the time. Like that feels where the, the gag comes from. And uh, right after this, Bart reveals that the machine only takes dollars, which I really did like that joke because it, it felt like a parent on the staff realized, like they had heard it from their kids of like, stupid dad, these don't take quarters anymore. Games are dollars now. Uh, but the, uh, that's also at the Quickie Mart. It's on the opposite side of Nuke, though, so it seems like Apu uh, invested in a new game. But this, this is by 97, though. This is when polygonal graphics are there, but they're still doing digitized stuff. Like, I like the filter in general. The filter they put over their video games are really cool, and it works with 2D. I think, you know, they had problems in later seasons doing video game jokes because they can't do polygons, you know? It, uh, yeah, it's hard to think in that style. And that is definitely clear in the final game from the 10th season of Simpsons. Uh, this was the one when they did this joke that I felt old. Like, or I felt like, not old, because I was 16. <laughs> but, but I didn't feel like I was out of the demographic of the Simpsons they were referencing a game I felt was for babies. It was also the last legal year you could make a joke about the movie A Cry in the Dark. Oh, yes, yeah. Because it was, uh, for about a decade and longer, it was TV writer shorthand for uh, dead baby jokes. The Dingo Ate My Baby joke, and the entire game is based around that joke. Yes, yeah. Uh, but let's take a look from uh, the season 10 episode, Lisa Gets an A. Oh, well, be sure to be watching the morning, Jack. You need to take it easy. But I'm hardly learning at all. Why don't you play with one of Bart's video games? Uh, book trouble. 
I, I refuse to believe that Lisa had not read Moon in the Willows before the assignment. But yes, that's Dash Dingo of Crash Bandicoot uh, reference there. Now they reused that Dingo from a previous uh, Dingo Junction fashion store bit. Uh, but the, they, you know, they came to polygons, but the isometric viewpoint at least like captures uh, it pretty well. And then they pretty much drew a PlayStation, which that, that did impress me. I mean, this was, this aired in late 98, so PlayStation was pretty established by that point. But still, it took them until like 96 to finally draw Genesis controllers. So that's, uh, but it's a wireless PlayStation. You can see it just sits on her bed, not connected to the TV. Huh. Uh, and also, Lisa doesn't know how to press pause. She's like pressing down. She's pressing no buttons. Yeah. Uh, the the yeah the crystal. I mean, the collecting crystals that straight out of Crash. Also, the uh, the Paul Hogan head is totally Doctor Cortex too. Like it does does feel. I I think the difficulty curve there seems pretty harsh. Like the first level, you just get hit with like three enemies at once. So maybe Lisa didn't know the attack button. Uh, but there was one more scene from Dash Dingo that is very odd to me that it's hard to oh, yeah. it's hard to really figure out. So that I mean that's Crash Team Racing which she seemingly is playing. But this aired in late '98, a year before Crash Team Racing came out on the PlayStation. So I don't know where they got that from. Like, that would have been drawn mid-98 at most. Like, I, they wouldn't have been advertising Crash Team Racing. So it's just such a mystery to me where they got that from. Like, that, that's, maybe they drew him into a Mario Kart yeah. screen or something. But it's just really crazy. I, I cannot figure out where they got that from. Uh, but the, I also, the episode really captures how awesome it feels to lie about being sick and play video games. Yeah, it is great. Yeah. It's, There's uh, also no memory card in that system, so Lisa's just fucking going off. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> That's why she hasn't stopped for three days. It's <laughs> a very tall PlayStation 2. <laughs> uh, well, also, to be an accurate PlayStation by 1998, you should have that on the side, because that's the only one you'd be playing. And, uh, the, that, so yeah, that was from the NES all the way to the PlayStation era. They're really like Atari to PlayStation. Uh, and the series, I mean, would do so many more video games from there, but we, we only have time. Yes, there's uh, 20 more years worth of clips. <laughs> Lock the doors. Uh, <laughs> we've canceled the next three. Yes. Uh, but yeah, that's, uh, that is the end of our panel. So thank you all so much for yeah, coming. Thank you. Thank you, Mike Drucker, for being a special guest. Okay, what do you do? Where can we find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Mike Drucker or Instagram at Mike Drucker is dead, and I will talk about what stand-up shows I'm doing and so forth. And you have a number of panels here too. Yeah, I have a number of panels here. I'm doing two Retronauts panels on Monday. I'm doing uh, Dreamcast retrospective and Super Metroid and Castlevania Symphony of the Night retrospective. And tonight I'm doing a uh, kind of funny tournament thing that I will lose instantly. <laughs> and uh, we, of course, are Talking Simpsons. Thanks for coming to our panel. Yes! And uh, we're at patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, and we'll be selling that poster outside after the show for 10 bucks cash, and we'll all sign it if you want to. So yes. you know, if you want one, you got a whole bunch of them here. Yeah, the great. artist is here, she can sign it too. Yeah, thank you, Nina. This is great, folks. <laughs> all right, thanks for coming thank out. Thank you. We'll say hi to you outside. Yeah. Big moment. Mm -hmm.
Bart, the bloody Pope Simpson is on the ropes. He is hoping I'll put him out of his misery. Well, you're in luck, Bart. Here comes my right. Oh, no! My game. My game. I could have beat the boy. Marge, how could you? I was so close. Oh, I'm sorry, but this is more important than that silly loud game. You're right, Mom. i just like to use this occasion to announce my retirement undefeated from the world of video boxing. <laughs> You need parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.